Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Overcoming Your Emotional Eating, or as according to today's call, right, overcoming your trauma in your food. So many people talk about trauma, what it is, what it does, where it came from, big T's, little T's, what it does to your brain, what it does to your body, um, how it happened, why it happened, when it happened. We talk about all these things related to trauma. But it's so rare that we talk about trauma and how it relates to our food and our eating and our relationship with food. In today's call, you'll hear me talk about trauma specifically in a part one of part two series, Trauma in Your Food, so that you can really understand more about trauma, what it does to the body, some new research behind it, and how it can relate to your body responses. Take a listen to see what trauma is, what it does, and what it means for you. Also take a look at www.wendyfrancis.com. May is going to be a big month. Lots of releases, lots of new things coming. Gonna be launching them out there slowly in knowing that what we need to do together as a community is come together to enable all of us to rise and overcome. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining me once again. And I am always excited on topic that I am bringing to these calls. But tonight, I'm especially excited. There, there are certain things that I talk about or that I learn about that I know that intersect with what I've seen with clients and then come into research and hardcore knowledge. And the combination of those things just blows my mind and makes me feel even more grateful for what I've been honored to do for a living. Trauma creates change. You don't choose. Healing is about creating change you do. That quote is by someone named Michelle Rosenthal. For many, many years, trauma was thought to be this big, enormous thing that happened in someone's life. A death, a car accident, major, major things. And the truth is, now we know what really is the truth. We know that there is little T's or little traumas, and little T's can add up to a great big T. And we know that there are big T's, big traumas. What most people don't talk about, though, is how our trauma affects our food, our eating, and our weight. Tonight, I'm going to be doing a two-part series. First of what we're going to talk about tonight is trauma and then a little bit on the body. 
Next week, I'm going to talk about trauma and how it intersects more with our food and our eating, although you're going to hear a little bit about it tonight. But I found some fascinating new research. I am so fascinated by trauma because the reality is, you know, again, by definition, trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience, right? Like that's by the dictionary. But really the definition that I have learned to love about trauma, and, and not that I love trauma, but I love the definition because when I heard this, I said, that's it. That's brilliant. That's trauma. Trauma really is an event or anything that happens that changes your view of the world. So that expands, right? It expands what we know about trauma. It's not just someone dying or you, or, or, or you having a near-death experience. It can, yes, it can be death. It can be divorce. It can be, you know, fighting in your home all the time, though. It can also be things like bullying, rape, fear constant distress. It can be for many people, they were living in trauma during the pandemic, whether death was happening to them, to people around them, or whether there was a fear, a constant fear, the constant distress in our neurophysiology. Wow. I mean, if you want to talk about trauma, like that's it. And what happened during the pandemic was that. Little T, little T, little T, little T, ooh, big T. And those big T's, those big traumas are magnanimous in what happens in our body. We can look at things like experiencing or observing physical, sexual, or emotional abuse. We know that that is a T or a trauma. We know childhood abuse and or neglect is traumatic. We know that having a family member with mental health issues or substance abuse disorders is trauma. We know that experiencing or witnessing violence in the community or in your home is trauma. We know that natural or human-made disasters and forced displacement is trauma. We know that sudden, unexplained separation from a loved one is trauma. We know that war or terrorism is trauma. We know that poverty, discrimination, and historical events can be loaded with trauma. That, that enables us to really get the magnitude of how many of us, all of us, are impacted by trauma at one point in our life or another. And some of us have a whole lot of little T's or a whole lot of big T's. There's something called toxic stress. Toxic stress is strong, frequent, and or prolonged adversity. It stimulates the body's natural protections against stress and have, can have long-term negative impact on your neurobiology, psychology, and physical health. Toxic stress is related to trauma. It's astounding how many people are put down or degraded. Oh, that's nothing. It's just stress. 
Listen, stress for a long period of time will change you forever, forever. It can change your genes, your gene expression, and we even now know your DNA. It's not just stress. Stress that's strong, frequent, and prolonged will change your body, period. And it is absolutely impact, impacts the same as a big T, as a traumatic event in the body. It's pretty astounding. Allostatic load is the wear and tear on the body from toxic stress, and that can lead to poor health and health risk behaviors. So we now have a definition for that. It's pretty amazing. Now, here's what we know. We know all of this now, and we're more and more investigating the impact of stress and trauma. And the, the results are astounding. I'm going to tell you about a study in just a minute that really, like, blew my mind. And I'm so grateful that they're starting to really look at this. Here's what we also know, though, because I have to, I have to give it up to the other component, right? We know that all of us have been impacted by trauma, some of us more than others. Some of us have had more toxic stress than others of us. Some of us had, have had more childhood trauma than others of us. We also know that there's lots of people who thrive after trauma. And how does that happen? Well, here's how it happens. It happens with what's called protective factors. Pro protective factors are social conditions or personal attributes that help lessen the risk of trauma for an individual, family, or community. So you really can't deem trauma for someone else. Uh, you know, I've told stories, and sometimes I'm fairly public with my stories about my childhood or specific events that have happened to me. I, I am the same person in my personal life that I am professionally on some levels. Not on all, but on some. And in that, though, I'm always congruent with where I came from and who I am. The reality is, is you can't really deem someone might say, oh, my God, that must have been so traumatic. Well, it's not really because maybe I had some protective factors against that. Now, there might have been another event that was traumatic because maybe I didn't have a protective factor. Here's what protective factors are. Parental knowledge of child development. So if, for example, a child is experiencing trauma, a traumatic event, right, at school, let's say bullying, if a parent knows how to handle that, the child comes home and the parent is astute in how to help that child and bolster that child, that child will have a protective factor. Healthy parent-child attachment enables the child to have protective factors because it gives them a safe place to land, gives them a place to know safety versus unsafety. Because when we don't know the difference between those two things, we can land in some lapse of unsafety for many facets of our life. We also know protective factors can include social connections and social and emotional competence that's relative to that time period. So if you have good social connections, and I, I truly believe for, for me, the reality is I, I had a protective factors in, in protective factor in a lot of my social connections that I had when I was growing up. Many of them are still in my circle. And so I know that that really helped uh, protect, on some level, my ability to have some bounce back, so to speak, from the trauma. 
here is what was so interesting to me that I found today. Because as you know, I'm, I'm, you know, always researching what I bring to these calls because I want to keep myself new and fresh and I, I want to see what's going, going on out there. There was a study in San Diego, California that began in an obesity clinic. It's called the ACE study, A-C-E. And they did some face-to-face -face interviews. Uh, they were doing some face-to-face -face interviews during this ACE study. ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. So what they were studying was individuals who had trauma, adverse childhood experience or trauma, traumatic events, and they were studying them in this obesity clinic. So what was, what was happening? Like why were, why did these individuals gain weight? Why was their weight affected? And then how many of them had high what they call ACE scores, high adverse childhood experience or trauma scores? While doing the face-to-face -face interviews, the two doctors that were conducting this study were interviewing each of these clients. And one of the clients disclosed that she had been raped. And she stated, which I thought was brilliant that she said this, she stated to be overweight is to be overlooked. And that's the way I need to be. There are so many people out there that have had body trauma that are trying not to hide and shrink, but to get larger so that they're actually overlooked. Because in our society, that can happen. Through further interviews, these two doctors also discovered that many patients have been using addiction to food, alcohol, and drugs, and negative coping skills as normal response to serious childhood trauma. So this study really linked, right, trauma and obesity, trauma and weight gain through all of these facets. How does trauma affect physical health? So these ACE scores based on childhood, based on the adverse childhood experience were uh, abuse, neglect, household dysfunction, divorce, household dysfunction, which included divorce, drugs, incarceration, mental illness, mother treated violently, um, and other physical, mental, emotional abuse or physical or emotional neglect. That's what they used, right? The A scores were based on those things. The more that an individual had under kind of a check mark on each one of those things, the higher the A score, the worse the person's health problems. So I'm going to say that again because they, were, they really found this direct correlation. So the higher that trauma in the individual's childhood, the worse their health problems were. Trauma impacts brain development as well as physical health. So here's what this study found out about brain development. So people have childhood trauma. Here's what they figured out they had. Now I'm going to talk about what happens in the body with that because that's really where we're going on, you know, when we talk about emotional eating and waking. So ACE and brain development. So what they found is that individuals that had a high adverse childhood experience score had an inability to trust other people, more likely to have social isolation, had difficulty seeking help. They were hypersensitive to physical contact. 
They'd increase medical, emotional, and mental problems. They'd problems with coordination and balance. They had poor affect regulation, problems with academic achievement, oppositional and antisocial behaviors, and difficulty planning for the future. So ACE found this correlation between the trauma and brain development. Furthermore, we know that trauma affects how we view our body and how we feel in our body. So we know it has health implications. We know that it impacts brain development. Four defenses can occur automatically during traumatic experiences. So this is kind of what happens in the body neurophysiologically, right? So these include, and I'm going to explain the last two because, man, nobody talks about this fourth one. Almost, I almost fell off my seat, and you'll hear why in a minute. So these ex include, right, most people have heard about the fight response. The fight response, the threats detected, activates your fight response. Your, your cortisol levels pick up, right, your epinephrine, and you just, you go into pushing, pulling, kicking, right, can be arguing, defiance, rage, or anger, fight response. Flight response, the body is mobilized to quickly run or move you from a difficult or dangerous situation. Again, increased cortisol, increased epinephrine, the body just goes, oop, I'm going to run, I'm out, whoop, off it goes. Third response to trauma is freeze. Now, here's the interesting part of freeze, and what I've learned is that freeze is the exact moment in time where a parasympathetic and sympathetic system go into overdrive at the same time. So you can't go, but you can't stay. You want to fight, but you, but you want to flight. So both gas and brake are pushed down simultaneously. So you're filled with adrenaline and, and energy, but you're going to appear paralyzed, stuck, or still. It's, it changes your neurophysiology because there's no release for all of that. Fourth, here's what was interesting to me because I've never heard it stated. And I have studied trauma for, I don't know, 20-something years now, a long time. The fourth um, response that they're now talking about is what they call submit. Submit. Now, here's what's astounding. I think it was last week or the week before on the call, I was talking to somebody in the Q&A component, and they had, we were talking about being passive and how passivity is related to trauma. Now, I know that to be true. I've just never seen it come up, and here it is. Submit. This is an adaptive trauma response. And it occurs when you engage with a person that's put you in danger to show you them that you're not a threat or discourage them to cause harm to you. So you submit. You become passive. It then becomes translated to other people because you still see them as a threat. So you become submissive or passive in response to the trauma. Those four responses are absolutely held in our body somewhere. When you look at flight, it is going to be held. We're going to hold energy right in our legs, maybe in our arms, but definitely in our legs because you've got to use them to run. You could hold something like fight in your jaw because you're clenched, because you're angry, right? You can hold trauma in your shoulders, your hands, your wrists, your arms, 
or even your feet. We hold trauma in our body. And that is, in fact, how it impacts how we eat, why we eat, where we eat, when we eat. And next week, I'm going to show you specifically what happens when we hold the energy in those parts of our body and how that's going to impact what we do with our food as well as what happens after that. Here's what we know. When it comes to trauma, definitively, and I would also believe life lesson, what we don't repair, we absolutely repeat. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.